So I'm excited to be talking about the topic we're talking about today. Me too. Talking, talking. Yeah, yeah. What do, uh, what do we got? So we're going to look at the Delheim speaking model, which is a framework that we use to analyze and understand um, how different speech communities converse and, mm. and speak. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a great way of understanding different cultures and different speech communities and how they use language, great. how we use language. Yeah, because um, presumably we're part of a few. I would think so. <laughs> yeah, of course we are. So this is a fun one. Great. But, um, before we jump in, how, how is your day going so far? My day is good. Yeah, <laughs> we're just getting over jet lag. Jet lag is, um, okay. I don't know, if, if anyone who's done sort of more than, I would say, seven or eight hours of yeah. time zone difference, yeah. it's a real struggle. It really is. Um, coming from where we were, yeah, we're looking at like 12, 13 hours of, of jet lag. And it takes, in my, in my experience, no matter what I do, it takes like a good five, seven days to get over. I remember sometimes like in, in the past, it would take me like two weeks yeah, to really just get back into the groove of the original time zone that I exactly. was familiar with. Because your body thinks it's morning when it's night and thinks it's night when it's morning. So you'll wake up in the middle of the night, like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. and not be able to go back to sleep. Yeah, it's, it's tough. But fortunately, last night was a good night of sleep. Yes. So I'm feeling pretty fresh today. Yes, that's good. Yeah. How about you? I'm feeling good as well. Good. Energized and <laughs> ready to start the day. That's what we want. Yeah. <laughs> so. Cool. Yeah. All right. So I think we should just run through. So the acronym speaking is so cool because it stands for, I mean, not only does it show speaking, right? Um, but it really makes sense once we reveal all the components. And there are eight, comp- actually there are 16 components. What's this acronym from? But 18 divisions. So Del Himes, mm-hmm. the sociolinguist came up with it. And it was part of the study of the ethnography of language use, which is essentially how we use language. And it really highlights that both language and culture are intertwined. Right. There's is the this, interplay. Is, is this what Delheim's like would, would focus on primarily? Yeah, he came up with it. Okay, um, cool. And it was a tool that linguistic anthropologists would use to, and still use, to analyze conversation mm. across cultures, across speech communities, across uh, you know groups of people right, um, right, right. that belong to a specific speech community. So it's a great way to just understand how we use language and to use it correctly right because it's not just it's not just the vocab and the grammar right that we need to know but it's really the context that we use the language like when it's appropriate to say what to do what to mm-hmm. right i mean it as part of the Interesting. The, and the, you know. It's funny. You would think that's sort of um, natural for us that it, that it happens intuitively. Yeah. But I guess I guess it's helpful to have a framework because it doesn't always work that way, right? I think I think definitely. I think if you are, and this is again, it's 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 for people in you know communities all over the world. It's mm. not just for English, you know, speakers of English. Obviously, right, right. it's for speakers of every language, even you know the dialects that we have. But um, it's a really good way to sort of understand what we use when and mm-hmm. why. Mm-hmm. But it's also really good for somebody who is 
learning a new language. Uh, yeah. Particularly that is associated with a different culture. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for, for people growing up with their native language, a lot of what we do is intuitive. Right, right. right? Because it's just we, we learn the social norms governing the language. We sort of pick it up. But that's not to say that even with your own native language, your first language, mm -hmm. that sometimes there's, there's some, there. yeah, there's, it's a little bit nebulous, right, right? right? Like when is it appropriate to use certain tonalities and, you know, when might it be a good time to interrupt someone? Sure. All of that stuff. Cool. So. All right. So you're talking one. about speaking, this acronym. Speaking. Yes. Yeah. So does each one of those letters? Yeah, it does. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so let's dive into Let me that. Hear it. Okay. So we it's have a long S. one. I know. It's it's well, it's eight, right? Yeah. Okay. okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Let me hit me with it. Hit you. Okay. So the first one is S. Okay. Okay. So that's scene and setting, right? So what do you think mm. that means? The scene and setting. Okay. Yeah. So that's probably just, for example, we're in a living room. It's the scene and setting. We're in a live. Yeah. So is that our scene and setting? That would be it. So okay. it, it could be anything from the actual location mm -hmm. that you are doing your speech act, mm -hmm. uh, performing rather. Um, it could also be like the time okay. when this is occurring. Got it. Okay. Got it. But then it could also be like the physical barriers that are present. So, uh, for example, is there a table between you and the speaker? Is there wow. okay. a camera? Right. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, is there, I don't know, chairs? Like, what What are the physical barriers as well? Um, it could even be psychological, right? These so, I've some... never thought of a table as sort of influencing the, the nature of a conversation you have with someone. Right. But it totally can. It does. Think about actually when you go to a restaurant, for yeah. example, um, and we always sort of debate this when you and I are going out on a date, you know, that we Yay. sometimes do. <laughs> um, probably should go more often. Um, <laughs> Where do you sit? Do you sit across from each other or do you sit, you know, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, on sort of, what do you call it, adjacent, right? Adjacent, yeah. So you can sit across mm -hmm. or you can sit adjacent and you see both setups. And it's, it's always something that like, I'm like, oh, which, which we do. What's your preference? Like, let's say we have a square table yeah. and it's just the two of us. Yeah. Or it's just, you know, it's two people, let's right, say. Right, right. I, you know, it depends on my level of comfort with the person. Right. Because um, you're closer on one angle than the other, than across, right? Right. Uh, like I find physically. that, and I also sort of, it's my, um, sort of what mood I'm in. If I'm feeling in a talkative mood, I mm -hmm. want to be across from them. Right. Because then you're facing them, there's no distractions. If right. We, if it's, it's more, it's face-to-face. -face. It's face-to-face, yeah. right. Yeah. And, and I feel like that promotes that, uh, um, the dialogue. If I'm feeling a little tired, um, or, I don't know, you can also just be in an interesting place where you, you want to absorb a little more of the environment around you, yeah. then I like sitting sort of uh, at an angle. At an angle. Because then you speak to each other and then kind of also look out and do a little people watching. Right, that's true. Right? Oh, and, and on that, so I don't know how many of the viewers out there are familiar with Paris, um, Paris, France, but in Paris and, and other parts of France as well, um, there are the cafes that are there, which are amazing. I love, I love the cafe culture there. They all face the sidewalk or the the street, rather. Yeah, and so basically, exactly. if you're outside alone having your coffee and reading your paper, or if you're with people, if you're with one other person or whomever, you face the street. 
right? Yeah. And it's, it's it's even more extreme often because I feel like they're circular tables. Because you, you're not even, That's it's not true, even like are. corner to corner. It's like yeah. you guys are literally shoulder to shoulder you're looking You're shoulder out. to shoulder and you're looking Almost out. like we're sitting. Exactly. And it's so interesting. I mean, it's so fun because it's it's people watching and you're 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 embracing sort of the 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 environment. You're seeing what's happening. It's very dynamic. Right. But then you're also chatting with the person next to yeah. you. Yeah. Or not, you might just be out there, you contemplative, know, just, contemplative and, yeah. you know, journaling or writing. Like, like that's what all the authors and artists do. Well, right? well, Sartre, Jean-Paul Sartre, Jean-Paul Sartre, if I say it in like an English, like American accent. And um, his what his uh, long-term partner, Simone de Beauvoir, uh, Simone de Beauvoir, who wrote The Second Sex, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, was it The Second Sex? Anyway, I can't remember exactly because I'm thinking of it in French, but... They would go every day to Café de Flore and Domago, which right, are right. in the Saint-Germain-des-Prés um, district mm. of Paris. And they would have their table and they would have their like croissant and their espresso, whatever it was, um, café au lait or something. And they would- Sounds idyllic. I know, it really does though. And, and it would be so creative because- you have the energy of like the city around you. You're right. surrounded by that. Right. And then you also have your space, right? Mm -hmm. And they would each go to like the separate ones and they're right next door to each other. Oh, they wouldn't sit at the same cafe? No, but they're right oh, next door funny. to each other. Next time we go to Paris, yeah, I'll yeah, show yeah. you. We didn't get to do it on this trip. But so there's Domago and there's Café de Flore. And I think Café de Flore is in the corner. Anyway, it's it's it really is right. This so is all important. to say all to say that the objects around you and your your setting and context really can influence the environment and the nature of of your communication. It really does. Yeah, yeah, and and cool. and just on that note, think about a boardroom, mm. right? So totally. oftentimes, I think you can speak to this pretty well because all my boardrooms, all experience. your all your meetings, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you have a wide table. It's a Big table, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there's so much distance between you and the person seated across. Yeah, talk about this. Right? This like, one always gets me. Okay, so yeah. the date seating is one thing. Right. Where it gets really complicated is when yeah. you have a business meeting in one of these rooms, because you typically do have this huge table. Yeah. And if look, you fill the table. Okay, you figure it out, and you know you typically put the more uh, uh, senior people at the heads of the table, or maybe in the center. Yeah. Um, where it gets really tricky though. Is if it's a meeting of like four or five people. Oh yeah, right? you have like this big awkward. boardroom table, but it's four or five people. It's like, mm -hmm. do you sit? You know, does your team sit on one side and they sit on the other? Do you mix it up? Uh, do you, uh, <laughs> you know, sit on one end and the other, and you kind of talk Should to each other? Send one of the yeah, carrier I'm pigeons of, um, or what is it? Is it Beauty and the Beast where they sit like at way yeah. different sides of the yeah, table and yeah. it's like silent, right? <laughs> So it, it gets it gets kind of like whoa, what do we do? Yeah. Um, but yeah, th th you're right. In business context, it's also very relevant. You know? And there's the distance there. And the right? distance. Yeah. And I think the closer you are, the more intimate the conversation is going to feel, right? Right. And, and even more, more casual. Casual. Almost. Casual. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's one example, or actually two examples, right there for you. Three. Perfect. Three. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So okay, so that's the first one. So that's, we only made it as far as okay. Number one. All right. That's one. Let's breeze through a few. But if you recall, the title of this live is um, it's it's Delheim speaking model in action. In action, yes. And we have the examples in there as well. So we're going to try to come up with as many examples. Keep putting them in action for you viewers out there. And if you are watching live right now, feel free to on the sidebar there in the uh, 
margin. Send in your questions, comments, emojis, whatever. Well, if you have examples of, of what we're talking about. Yeah, we welcome those. And if you're watching awesome. it with the group. later, if you're watching the replay, then you can comment below because we really want to keep this as a, an interactive discussion, yes. um, synchronous or asynchronous. The object between us would be the computer and I guess the internet pipes connecting. Yeah, right? and the, <laughs> the microphone. Oh, here we go. Hello, hello, and hello, hello. welcome to the live stream. Um, okay, so the second one, so yes. we have S, right? S. Now we have P. So this one is participants. Participants, okay. Okay, so that just means what? What, it, what does that mean? Who, the interlocutors. Yeah, good job. To Very use some uh, linguistic parlance. I know, well done. So that just means the people who are involved in the communication, the communication in the speech act. Right. And so it could be, so right now it's it's you and I because we're mm. having a conversation. Right, right. And then if there are people out there, we have Enmal here, uh, who just joined. Thank you. Hello. He's part of our. He, yeah, you're part of our. You're part of our discussion as well, right? So it's totally. It's whomever is participating. And if you think about like a speech, mm -hmm. right? If you're giving a speech, the participants would also be the audience. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. If it's a good speech, if it's a speech that's Hopefully, involving if you people. don't get heckled. Right. And, and here's an interesting thought. So you can be a participant, an active participant where you're sort of voicing and um, uh, interacting with the speaker. Right. But I can also imagine you being, I, I would also qualify participants as those who are just very engaged and listening yeah. attentively because the speaker is reading their, um, you know, facial expressions. Uh, and so even their silent participation is still influential. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, uh, teachers have to really good teachers have to read the room. Mm. Right. So I remember when I was teaching, um, I had some trainees come in on my classes and watch them to, to, to learn how to teach essentially, mm -hmm. right. To learn by doing. And so, uh, they came up to me afterwards and they were like, how do you manage all of the, like the emotions in the room and the people in the room? Yeah. And it's a lot about reading the room. So like you said, even if they don't say anything, just that silence, right? Or a blank stare or um, an engaged a smile. You know, yes. You can see the light bulbs go off, right? right? Yeah, when, yeah, you're, totally. when you're interacting with, with students. Um, that tells you so much. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, and, you know, and, and it drives to some extent, what you say next. Of course. Right? Yeah. So that is true yeah. true engagement yeah. in a sense. So yeah. that's participants. Participants. Yeah. Yep. And then in the online realm, right, let's say you're texting. Mm. It's the other person that you're texting with or in a group chat. Mm -hmm. Right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. And Makes then we sense. have E. And those are, it's ends. Okay. So ends. Those are, that's the purpose. It's the outcome, the mm. intention, right? okay. the goals of the doing. intention. I like that. I feel like that's a good way to say yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but ends. If, ENS. Yeah. Something like that. ENDS. Oh, the ends. Ends. I see. Yeah. The means to the ends. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, means to an end. You know, why are you saying what you're saying? Um, why mm. are you. Uh, interacting with this person are you trying to introduce yourself are you right. trying to maybe you see a friend who's a little bit down um have the blues right are you trying right. to 
Cheer them up, them up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So in a, in a business context, I feel like the ends tend to be clear, or they yeah. should be if it's going to be a good, productive meeting. Um, <laughs> right? You know you have a purpose. Okay, we're going to resolve this today. We're going to negotiate this and come yeah. with an outcome, blah, blah, blah. It's interesting uh, when you look at going back to our other example of a date, yeah. right? When you're, yes. You're at, what is the end there? And it depends you know? which date. Is it is it a first date? First date, Is yeah. it a blind date? Is right. it a, a date with the person you've been with forever? Right? right. And I guess early dates still have pretty clear ends, which is to get the, to know the person better. And, yeah. Um, to see you if know, there's this, a match. Yeah, to figure yeah. out if you guys enjoy Same. hanging out. Yeah. Um, but when, once you've been dating someone for a while or you're married – um, then what is the end, you know, when you're sitting uh, across from each other at a dinner table? Well, I mean, it could be if you, if you don't work together, um, then you could be like, you know, running through the, the day, sharing some information from your day. Or if you do work together, it could be maybe you have like a business <laughs> meeting, which you probably shouldn't have because it's Sounds supposed familiar, to be a date night. It's supposed to be a date <laughs> Uh, or maybe you're brainstorming if you're working. Yeah. Or maybe you're talking about, you know, how to raise children better. I don't know. I, whatever. It or maybe be. it's just, you know, it's just a matter of connecting. The, the, the yeah. purpose is simply to, um, simply to, yeah, hear what, what's on the other person's mind and yeah. to enjoy being enjoy. in the relationship, right? right? Just enjoying each other's company. Yeah. I think that's the end. You know, it's so funny because you mentioned the, the date sort of scenario. Um I just remember because you had a really good video. Uh, was it last week? Or the week uh, I think it was last week. Yeah, how to make dinner date conversation. Yeah. And this is for people on a romantic date or not, just hanging out with friends. Because a lot mm -hmm. of times, I feel like, especially now, we're just so much more engrossed in what's going on on our screen. We're so distracted. And we're distracted. Yeah. And it's like, just talk to the person across from you. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Uh, it always, you know, gets me all. I, I almost feel like going up to people and saying, why don't you just talk to each other? Or, you know, sit down do with them. Like, Let's get this conversation going. I know. Can you We're, imagine? It's like the Mary Poppins of conversation. Total, oh, I my gosh. That. I would love the that. The Mary Poppins of conversation. Yeah. Just like float in do, with do, an do, umbrella. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Or, you Hi, know, everyone. I think you would come and you'd be, the, you'd be like the waiter uh, and you'd bring the food. And by the way. Here's a note card to help yeah, you launch your into prompt. discussion. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, this is like I'm imagining a video here. You saw it here first. <laughs> yeah, maybe when we have a production crew, we can enact something like this. That'd be yeah. cool. So um, it's just so important, right, to just be able to 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 have the face to face interactions. Right. Nothing. Nothing beats those. It's right. just so invigorating. And and then sometimes the end is really just that. It's just to have the interaction, right? Yeah. There's not much more. Think about it. when you go hang out with a friend. You say, well, today we're going to hang out because we want to achieve. You know X, Y, and Z. You know. Yeah. No, you, you, right. you go to hang out with a friend because you don't frankly care what you're doing. You're just looking for the engagement and and the company and just being around the people that you like right. to hang out with. Just yeah. the energy. Uh, two things. Okay. The first is with um. You know what I I really find so interesting. So sometimes you'll see old couples together, like older people, and they're clearly married or been together mm -hmm. forever, and you can see that there's some like. It, there's this intimacy there, but they're not saying anything to each other. I'm mm. thinking like at dinner or sometime, you know, when they're yeah. out. But you can see like through their body language that they're still like communicating somehow. And comfortable. And comfortable. Yeah, I know and exactly relaxed. what you're talking about. So yeah. it's like transcended words. Yeah. Right? And then it's just about the like the presence of I the think, person. I think there's some phrase which is the more time you spend with someone, the less is said. 
but the more is understood. Oh, that's a good one. I don't know what the actual wording is, yeah, but that's, that's sort of my approximation of, of what the common is. But the idea is, right, you, you need, the, the need to articulate is less because the depth of understanding just, so great. It's so great, right? Just knowing how they put their hands and uh, the way they've you know tilted their head already is enough information for you because you know them so well. Oh, it's so yeah. sweet. I love that. <laughs> oh. All right. Yeah. And then the second thing. So um, in meetings, right, in terms of ends, in order to make sure that nobody veers off topic or goes off on a tangent, because you, you only have so much time to have a meeting, especially if you want to run it in an mm -hmm. efficient way, which would be great. You do. You do. <laughs> you do. Um, meeting, meeting notes, right? The agenda. Mm, yes. And you have an itemized list of what's going to be discussed. And the last one I really like, because, you know, in, in, in meetings um, that I've been part of, a lot of times they'll have like the final item as AOB. Do you know what that might stand for? No. Any other business. And that's a great time to make, you know, a special announcement, maybe an upcoming birthday. It depends Ooh. on what kind of team, you know, if it's like a group of teachers, let's say, um, or any other piece of information. Yeah, it yeah, allows yeah. the other participants to chime in to get it that in. something that's not on the list. So that would be the time, right? Interesting. To keep it really contained. And in other meetings where I haven't had those meeting notes, it just goes in all sorts of directions. Yeah. Or you'll have like the head person just dominating and then everyone else is just that, sitting. I've totally seen. And that's a big risk. That's a huge And one. I think you're right. If you don't structure in the meeting. Uh, the ends. The ends. But, but I was going to say also the uh, ways to make sure that everyone in the room is speaking. Yeah. Then that does happen, right? Uh, where just the person leading the meeting does the whole talking, which defeats the purpose of the meeting, right? Exactly. In the most case, if you're exactly. meeting, it's not a speech. A meeting shouldn't be a speech. A meeting right. is where you're, yes, um, uh, saying some information, but also right. getting feedback on the information you're saying and getting the group involved. Yes. That's the point of the meeting. And right. on that, you know, the risk of that, of having just one dominant voice basically hog the conversation mm. or the meeting, you run into the risk of group think. And we have a video coming out about that. Ah, uh, yeah. Group so thing. that's a big one. And, and the other, the other way to phrase it is, uh, if you if you're running a meeting and you're the only one doing the talking, <laughs> you might as well send an email, right? What's the point so of doing true. it, right? And save everyone's time. Yeah. Um, so in any event, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, I think having those notes uh, really can really helpful. help achieve your end. Yeah. yeah. It's just everyone wants to know the purpose and the goal. Of right, and probably a, stating that up front is good. Yes, definitely. Okay, ready for the next okay, one? Yeah. Okay, so here we a, have we're on a, right? a. Yeah, good job. Yeah, I can spell sometimes. Oh, you're a good speller. I'm a, I'm a miserable speller. But. You know, it's all the the autocorrection that we have now on our devices. I, I was typing help. an email yesterday. This is crazy, speaking of autocorrection. Okay. I was typing an email yesterday, and I was asking a, a company that I ordered something from, do you guys use FedEx or, and I just put or, and oh, it yeah. autofilled UPS for me. Oh my god! It, it knew. That's creepy. <laughs> it, the context in which I was saying and filled the name of another yeah. shipping company. I mean, wow. Okay, total That's, sidetrack. But the AI in in predictive it's getting really good. Predictive language tools is really blowing my mind. And it also picks up on your speech uh, patterns. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Because of AI. Yeah. There are conversation analysts out there working on machine learning. I was going to say, I'm sure there are. There yeah. are. And uh, I bet I bet they would love to uh, 
learn from you about the speaking model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they should be watching this. I, it's, I'd be curious uh, how to, you know, or be interesting to sort of apply some of these concepts like Delhan's speaking model to the AI uh, dialogue process. Yeah. Right? And, I think it could help humanize that. that uh, and that's what they're doing. I mean, it's uh -huh. I mean, not just Del Hunt's, obviously, but in the conversation analytic framework, we're looking at how, well, not me personally, obviously, but. Well, it's your field. It's my field, but we're looking at how, you know, humans interact and, and using the Del Hunt's model mm. to help make AI better. So that when right. you're on the phone, are the and you're doing like an automated, you're talking to an automation, right? A robot, basically, AI. Are they going to give you a, 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 a what we call a preferred response or mm -hmm. a dispreferred response? Like, is it going to sound like a human or is huh. it going to be like out of whack? Like, what, are you, what, are you, what is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you? Right. You say, how are you? And today the weather is, you know, rainy and overcast. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> right. You know, yeah. just as a very rudimentary example. So, yeah, it's not cool. just the online, like face to face, but it's also like. Right. AI eventually. But I totally sidetracked. No, it's okay. It's okay because it's still part of all of what we're talking about. Yeah. So A is act sequence. Act sequence. Okay. Yeah. And this is actually not too um, unrelated from what we just talked about with the robot and the preferred response or the mm. dispreferred response because it's about how the, the sequence that you have your speech acts, right? So right. think of, think of um, the difference between starting a presentation um, with which, okay, you'll, you'll see what I mean in a sec. So let's say you're giving a presentation to the classroom mm -hmm. and you start with, everyone knows you obviously, right? And you say, hi, my name is Mary Daphne. Today I'm going to be talking about conversation analysis. And it's like, wait, everyone in the classroom knows you. Is that appropriate to say, uh, to introduce yourself to an audience that's already well familiar, familiar with you? Interesting. Right? Yeah. Whereas if you say that on stage to an audience that doesn't know you, right. Right, that's different. And even would you even start that, that way? Or would you start with ladies and gentlemen? Would you start with... So the point here is that the sequence mm -hmm. influences the rest of the, the speech act and, and, and the... Uh, you know, the way the participants are going to receive the message. Okay. So um, just so I'm clear, is this another, tell me if this is another example. Okay. Yeah. Sequence. Let's talk about it. Um, when, when you give a speech, you know, you can, you can uh, organize it in, in different ways. So I could begin the speech with the final point I'm trying to make. Exactly. Right. Or I could begin the speech with an anecdote. Yes. Right to frame the context. Yep. So these are act sequences. Exactly. Okay. Cool. Yeah. It's the order that you introduce the topic or that you dive into the topic. Right. right. So I think. Um, and the sequence, you you use the sequence to enhance the sort of uh, the point that you're trying to make. Yeah. If it's if it's done well, right. Okay. If it's effective. Right. So something that you always get on my case about, because I just get too excited when. <laughs> I know what you're going to talk about. <laughs> Okay, well, let's share it with the with the community. Um, so basically, if I'm if we're with some friends or family, and there's a story I want to tell about an adventure or something, maybe even mundane. I don't know. Um, I'll get right to the punchline. <laughs> she gets so excited. She gets so excited about the story and to communicate to everyone, and she jumps straight to the meat of it. Just and obviously, I mean, that's like one way of 
but then it's not really telling a story, right? Right, but then you, then you don't have the like the story arc, the rising action, yeah, and the climax, and, and then the denouement. Right, right, right. Yes. So I just get straight to the punchline because <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to waste anyone's time. Let's just tell them what happened. Exactly. And then you'll fill in all the details. I know. But then you'll be like, wait, wait, hold up, MD, and then you know, fill. Right. I try and try and uh, um, stylize it a little more. Right. Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying here is that. What I'm doing is not storytelling. I'm just sharing some some details, fact sharing. some fact sharing, uh, with a little bit of you know emotional sure. um, uh, enhancements, right? Mm, like how pizzazz. we felt, pizzazz, the style. Yeah. But then you'll you're a true master of um, certainly not a master. Okay, but you're really good at storytelling. But I pay attention to it. You're yeah. really good at storytelling. So thank you. It's true. So it's just funny because we treat it differently. So the goal there, right? The ends. We see that differently if it's like a story, right? So you'll see it as a story. Mm. Like the purpose is to entertain or get people on the edge of their seats. Yeah. Really, you know, get people wrapped. Um, and I just want to, like, if like, I don't treat it as a story, let's say, in that example, I'll just treat it as, you know what happened? This is what happened. Yeah, you know, and I feel like it goes almost beyond, it does go beyond entertainment. Um, part of the reason I like this lead up and creating this sense of anticipation mm -hmm. and, and, and curiosity is because it really helps you drive your point home, right? It helps the listener also pay attention to the point. Because if you jump straight to the meat of what you're saying, the listener might not be ready to hear or to comprehend what you're saying. They might it's not true. have enough context. Yeah. They might also, their minds might be somewhere else. Totally. If, if you instead sort of lead, lead up. up to it, um, they get more and more ready for it. And so when you finally make your point, they are totally enraptured in what you're saying. Yeah. And they'll remember it. They'll remember so it. So I think it's not just the entertainment factor. It's fun to entertain, but it's also... Um, Driving home. With yeah, it's, it's a means of making, uh, of ensuring comprehension, I'd say. Yeah. And you also gauge, you know, uh, if whether they're paying attention, mm -hmm. right? You look around, you make eye contact. Right. So again, these are two different ways of sort of, I mean... Sharing, sharing a story, yes. and 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 ends are just so important because as the as the speaker, you want to decide why, like what the purpose is. Why are you sharing this information? Mm -hmm. Is it to caution someone? Is it to you know run a cool business idea by somebody? Give them your pitch. Is it to entertain? Is it to prevent somebody from doing something? You know, mm -hmm. a cautionary tale. I don't know. So the acts are used to. Uh, deliver the ends exactly. Got it. In, a, in the most effective way as possible. By the way, we're we're already at the thirty minute mark, so wow. let's see if we can. There's so knock much. Out there's the so much here to dive into. I know. Um, and and by the way, I have a video about this, the Delheim speaking model, which I run through these points. Check it out. Uh, in this one, we're talking more about like different everyday examples. Um, but again, this is an ongoing conversation. I'm sure we'll have another one similar to this. Okay, let's keep going. So we're at a. Okay. Okay. So we're key now. Key. Okay. Key. So that's the tone of voice. It's the manner in which you say something oh, or share something. Like it's, what key? Like uh, um, like in music. Yeah. Is it a C pitch? An exactly. A pitch? Interesting. It's the spirit of 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 the way you're sharing something. Mm -hmm. It's all of the. You know. Is it light and bubbly or yeah, is it dark and dark, somber? Right, right. It's all the in-between stuff. It's right, not right. just the, the, the words themselves. And, and so this really adds the human element to 
what you're saying. Sure. Right? Because, I mean, now AI is getting pretty good, but, um, and it's still new, but you can tell when you're talking to a robot. Totally. Right? The yeah, tone yeah. is like very Happy different. Happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's going to get much better when, yeah. you know, machine I'm learning. I'm so happy you're here. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, that's how it started out. But I, yeah, I suspect nowadays what they probably do is deliberately, um, they set the key yeah. for the type of speech act that that is, you know, taking place. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, even just like the inflection patterns, where your voice rises and falls, whether oh, that's you know you emphasize certain words over others, are you adding emphatic stress to again drive home your point? Right, so all of these things make mm. up the key of the speaking model. Right. right, there's so much in that. I mean, it really is. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Because, mm -hmm. because obviously, just the inflection can um, determine whether you're saying something in an authoritative, assertive way, mm -hmm. or whether you're sort of uncertain about it. Right? Do you do you end on an uh. uptick, or do you end on an uptick or a downtick? Right. 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 Exactly. And so with up talk too, like you can tell. If it's gonna be when you end a in a question, right, right, exactly, right? exactly. And certain parts, even in the U.S., like certain parts of the U.S. will have that embedded in the social norms, mm. um, and other parts won't. Right. So more so, I think on the West Coast, up talk is more. It's 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 more accepted and even considered. You can be part of professional communication. Right. But on the East Coast, up talk is not really. We're seen, assertive here. Seen as uh, <laughs> professional. Yes. So it just depends. And, and, and that's part of, well, we're going to get to it, but it's norms. Okay, let's okay. go to instrumentalities. Yes. Oh, the other thing about key yeah. is also knowing turn-taking. So the back and forth. Oh, interesting. Okay? okay. And when, you know, when to chime in after the other person is finished, mm. right? At the uh, possible completion point. Like, if you've come to an end of what you're saying, or if you can continue, or if Got you it. continue. Got it. Is that kind of like pacing as well? It or? could be. It could be. But okay. it's also like being aware of when to interrupt. Okay. Okay. Um, so turn-taking. Just understanding the flow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and of course, sometimes it's, it's okay to interrupt, and other times it's not. Yes. So it also depends. All right. All right. Then we have N. N. And that's norms. Okay. Okay. So norms. these are the social rules that govern the speech act and that I think would also yeah. have to do with when to interrupt or not. Of right. Course. You know, when do you interject? I just interrupted you right there, mm -hmm. by the way. And it's okay. And it's okay. It's okay. I'm glad you, I'm glad you allowed me to do it. Um, but think of, of cultures where there's, the, they have the honorifics, right? And so like, I'm thinking of Japan, uh, where there's a specific hierarchy mm -hmm. that's very, um, very important. Yes. Interruption might not fly there. Totally. And right? actually going back to our conversation about meetings and one person talking versus the group talking, particularly in Asia, and I think Japan would be a good example of this, um, oftentimes it's only the senior person that is talking. Yeah, yeah. Um, because the uh, it would be rude for a junior person to speak yeah. because their experience is so little. Right. What, 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 could, could they possibly what could they possibly contribute? contribute right? yeah. <laughs> and so, and I think that that's a carryover from, from a time where uh, that was the case, uh, but that actually ends up causing a lot of uh, challenges yeah. for management because yeah. you, you don't understand what's going on sort of uh, on, in the lower ranks. 
Right. Um, but it, but but to your point, uh, there are some very set types of uh, speech dynamics yes. that that are uh, embedded in the culture. Exactly. Yeah. And so the point is, you know, to try to be aware of them. And if you're studying abroad, if you're working abroad, and you're learning a new language, which is amazing, good on you. We're big proponents of that, as you know. Um, just be aware of the speaking model. Mm. So take the speaking model and really think about it. Okay, in this setting, do I understand, you know, the the social norms? Am I aware of potential honorifics in that sure. culture and, and language? And And learn it. Try to, you know, respect it and then try it out yourself and, and be part of that framework yeah. in, in that yeah. different setting. I think the more, the more you can adopt those norms, the more fluent you're going to sound, irrespective of your vocabulary or grammar. And grammar, if you can understand the norms uh, around so yeah. when to say things, how to say them, who to say them to. Yes. Uh, that, is, that is probably uh, more important when you're when you're seeking fluency exactly and then that would mean that you have communicative competence not just linguistic competence which mm. is knowing the vocabulary or right. the grammar but you have the communicative competence because you are now aware of the context right yeah so so important so so important. so 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 important they're okay. all important they're all important okay and then the last one g, g. can you guess gregarious i can <laughs> No, no. Genre. Genre. Okay. I wasn't going to guess that. Okay. So the genre, right? Think about um, like the style, the style of what you're saying. Um, Mm. Is it a joke? Is it gossip? Is it a story? What is it? What genre is it? So is it the genre of delivery? Or of the of, of of it all of the yeah because okay. it influences the delivery it influences the way you say it what you say um, and you know like for example sarcasm is not something that is uh, prevalent in in all cultures mm-hmm. or within speech communities mm-hmm. um, so that's something to be mindful of too Ooh. right so if somebody is trying to be sarcastic in a culture that has no idea about sarcasm or just is not ready for it or not attuned to it, um, then, you know, there might be a miscommunication. Well, to me, that sounds more like a norm, sarcasm. I think there's some overlap. Okay. Wouldn't you say? Well, so, you you know, I'm just trying to understand the genre. Yeah. Um, So, So, would would these be genres like... Would a speech versus a business meeting versus a date are those are those the genre? That's a well. Those are speech acts. Those are speech acts. Okay. Yeah. So the tricky part here is that all of these components. I, somebody asked me actually, could you give me an example where all of these show up in a conversation? Mm. All of them do show up in a conversation. These are all part of like all the whole speaking model. It th- those are the tools that we have to understand and analyze a conversation. Um, so they all show up. Right. And sometimes there's a little bit of overlap too. So I think sarcasm in the sense of like whether it's appropriate in that culture, that I think you're right. That would be a social norm okay. that's governing. Okay. Right? Right, right. But think about, you know, delivering a, a casual, a joke, let's say. Mm. Sarcasm might show up in a joke. Sure. Right? Sure. And that would be a genre. The that genre would be is the a genre. Joke. Got yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. Interesting. But you could also think of genre like within a story. Is it a scary story? Is it a funny story? Is it a 
right? Right, it's like right, the right, right. Style. Interesting. Yeah, the nature of, of it. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. It's really interesting. And I, I guess what, what would be a a good um, a good way to reinforce these um, these different principles? Yeah. Or concepts. Yeah. Is to just essentially, I don't know. You can watch a TV show or review uh, interactions. Yeah. And try to uh, break each one to analyze it and and to sort of annotate which aspects are present in that in that uh, conversation right 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 you could just watch a scene over and over again and you know then oh here's the, the s the p that's right? a great idea that would be that's yeah, a great idea a good way to reinforce it definitely especially if you're you know learning um, a new language and also trying to understand the culture mm-hmm. yeah what i like about this whole framework is i mean obviously when you're talking to someone it's not like this is you know going to be going through your head uh uh, in the in the moment necessarily. No. <laughs> Can you imagine pulling up like a piece of paper? Right. Hold on a sec. Oh, okay. I by the, the way, S. it sounds like yeah. You got the key here. <laughs> the key here. Yeah. I noticed that you used a higher bike. But I do think the exercise of of running through this does make you a more socially conscientious speaker. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, because of that, even though you're not thinking about it explicitly when you're talking to someone, I think you become more attuned mm-hmm. to the dynamics of the conversation uh, and it allows you to interact in a way that's more comfortable, more natural. Right? Definitely. Yeah. And I think it also reduces, because even in your, your, the language you grew up speaking, having this understanding of the framework will also reduce your social anxiety mm-hmm. if you have any, like even around something, something like networking. Right. Right? Yeah. if you go in thinking about, you know, the key or what topics might be taboo to bring up in that setting because it yeah. might not be appropriate, right? Um, That's or, awesome. I love that. Yeah. Right. So you use this as um, almost a framework for preparation for the context that you're going into. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that way when you're going in, you, you already know sort of roughly what tone to use that you're saying exactly. and sort of what topics what to, topics to, to discuss or, and what you shouldn't. Yeah. What a great, what yeah. a great and then you know also your, your purpose too, right? Yeah. You might go in saying, oh, I, you know, I just want to make some friends or like work friends or or I want to find somebody to to be, a, you know, the graphic designer or a business partner. Right, or, right, right, right. You have to go in with an understanding so it can inform your, I mean, you don't have to, but it would be a very productive use of your time. To yeah, do that. absolutely. I love it. We're, we're at the 45 minute mark now. Wow, that was so all fast. Right. I know, I know. We could just talk about that was this a good all one. day. Delheim's. Delheim's speaking model. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. pretty cool. So much to go through there. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, well, yeah. So I think we'll I continue think, talking about this some other. Yeah, yeah. Way. I'm sure. I'm sure there are plenty more ways mm-hmm. to do it. Um, and I, yeah, I, I would love to end with just what, what you're saying, which is that this framework can be used as. Um, so I guess we we both said something I think meaningful about it, which is one, it can be used as a tool to to make you a more uh, aware. And, and conscientious speaker, but also can be used as a very powerful uh, means of preparing for a context that you might otherwise be uncomfortable to go into. Definitely. Yeah. And again, it's also a great tool to use when you're learning another language as well. 